0: Hi there, precious friends. God commands us to forgive even when we don't feel like it, even when we don't want to, and even when we think we shouldn't. So what happens if we don't? Jesus tells us in Matthew chapter 18. Get your Bible and let's talk about it. Take your Bible and turn with me to Matthew chapter 18. This is the first gospel in the New Testament, very first book of the New Testament. And the end of chapter 17 there tells us that Jesus is spending time with His disciples in Capernaum. It is possible that the conversations that are recorded in chapter 18 took place at Peter's house. The passage that we're studying today is sometimes referred to as the parable of the unforgiving servant or the parable of the unmerciful servant. So, the parable was prompted by a question from the Apostle Peter. Peter asks the Lord something. Let's read it together. Matthew chapter 18 verses 21 through 35. Then Peter came and said to him, Lord, how often shall my brother sin against me and I forgive him? Up to seven times? And Jesus said to him, I do not say to you up to seven times, but up to 70 times seven. For this reason, the kingdom of heaven may be compared to a certain king who wished to settle accounts with his slaves or servants. And when he had begun to settle them, there was brought to him one who owed him 10,000 talents. But since he did not have the means to repay, his Lord commanded him to be sold along with his wife and children and all that he had and repayment be made. The slave therefore falling down prostrated himself before him saying, have patience with me. I will repay you everything. And the Lord of that servant felt compassion and released him and forgave him the debt. But that slave went out and found one of his fellow slaves or servants who owed him 100 denarii. And he seized him and began to choke him saying, pay back what you owe. So his fellow slave fell down and began to entreat him saying, Have patience with me, and I will repay you. He was unwilling, however, but he went and threw him in prison until he should pay back what he owed. So when his fellow servants saw what had happened, they were deeply grieved and came and reported all to their Lord, all that had happened. Then summoning him, his Lord said to him, you wicked slave. I forgave you all that debt because you entreated me. Should you not also have mercy on your fellow slave even as I had mercy on you? And his Lord moved with anger, handed him over to the torturers until he should repay all that was owed him. So my heavenly father, Also do, so shall my heavenly father also do to you if each of you does not forgive his brother from your heart. Peter questions the Lord about forgiveness. It's a good question. He says, Lord, uh, how often shall my brother sin against me and I forgive him? Perhaps we kind of think like Peter. Lord, you know the problem You know, the problem is that they're going to just hurt me again. They'll just offend us again. And if we're going to forgive them and they will just go on doing it over and over again, do it again and again, how long are we supposed to put up with that? How many times do we keep on forgiving them? Or the question may be, what is the limit of forgiveness? What are the limits of forgiveness? So when do you say this time you've gone too far? I mean, there are just some things that I cannot forgive. Or maybe you will say, I've already forgiven you twice for that and that's enough. You go on. And so perhaps you've heard somebody say, well, I will never forgive that person for what he or she did to me. So Peter says, Lord, how many times And so then he says, seven times? Commentators agree that Peter thought he was really being generous and kind by being willing to do it several times and that perhaps the Lord was going to pat him on the back and say, ooh, that's great, Peter. But instead of commending Peter, Jesus said, no. Seventy times seven. 490 times, which was just a symbol of... You can't count them. That probably took Peter's breath away. He probably gulped. You know, your forgiveness, Jesus says to Peter, is to be relentless, it is to be endless. You go on and on and on. And so, then to explain all of it, Jesus went on to tell a story. And so, when he tells this story, he's kind of holding up a mirror in which we all can see ourselves and understand our relationship with God and our relationship with one another. So let's look at it. Go back with me to verse 23. Jesus said, "'For this reason the kingdom of heaven may be compared "'to a certain king who wished to settle accounts "'with his slaves.'" So Jesus is making a comparison here with the kingdom of heaven. So, when he tells this story, he's talking about believers, Christians. So, this king wanted to settle accounts with his slaves. Verse 24, when he had begun to settle them, there was one brought to him who owed him 10,000 talents. Now, this king had some servants who had some responsibilities and they were in charge of some money. So, from time to time, They had to give an account for what they did with the money. So here it was discovered that this one servant owed the king 10,000 talents. Now remember Jesus is making this story up to teach a point. He's teaching a lesson. Because 10,000 talents is an astronomical figure. We would say zillions. Something like that. Let me give you this. One talent one talent was 6,000 days wages 10,000 talents then would be 60 million days of work or 60 million denarii this is where they their their term for money so it's billions of dollars it was an impossible amount when we think about this being 60 million days of work. If we live to be 80 years old, 365 days in a year, we would live 29,200 days. So he's talking lifetimes of days of wages. Verse 25, since he did not have the means to repay, then the Lord, the King, commanded him to be sold along with his wife and children and all that he had and repayment to be made. So the king had every right to sell him and his wife and his children and to get whatever he could, but it certainly would have been pennies on the dollar if that much. Verse 26, the slave therefore falling down prostrated himself before him and said, have patience with me. I will repay you everything. It was impossible couldn't do it. Notice that he did not ask for mercy. He just says, I can pay it back. I'll work on it. I'll figure it out. Now, verse 27, and the Lord or the king of that servant felt compassion and released him and forgave the debt. Now, Peter and his friends were listening And they heard all of this, and maybe they went, Wow, man, what a wonderful thing is that? What a king. Wow. Verse 28 begins with the word but. That is an important word in Scripture. It's always a contrast word. And whenever you see the word but, we've got to stop and think about it. What does he say? Verse 28 but that same servant went out and found one of his fellow servants who owed him a hundred denarii. And he seized him and began to choke him saying, you pay me what you owe now. Now, let's get some perspective here. A denarius is one day's wage for a field worker or a soldier So let's count this as 100 days wages. So this slave owes the other slave 100 days wages. Now think about it. If you like numbers, one talent is 6,000 denarii. Denarii is just plural for denarius, okay? One talent is 6,000 denarii or 6,000 days wages. So here's this guy who is a servant who has had a debt canceled for 60 million denarii, 60 million days of wages, choking a guy who is owing him 100. And so verse 29, so his fellow servant fell down and began to entreat him saying, have patience with me and I will repay you. He was unwilling however, but went and threw him in prison until he should pay back what he owed. So when his fellow slaves saw what had happened, they were deeply grieved and came and reported to their Lord all that had happened. Then summoning him, his Lord said to him, you wicked slave. I forgave you all that debt because you entreated me. Should you not also have mercy on your fellow slave even as I had mercy on you? Notice that these fellow servants were deeply grieved. Their king was known for his goodness to his people. And so I do find it interesting and maybe this is a lesson for another day that these fellow servants were more grieved over the one who would not give grace than they were over the one who needed grace. Hold that thought. They were more grieved that they were not giving grace than they were grieved that one needed grace. So what's the picture here? What is the comparison To the kingdom of heaven. This story is about our sins. It's a picture of our sins, our sinfulness. You see, our sins are a staggering debt that we owe God, impossible to pay. We owe an insurmountable debt to God. We are like the servant that had no means to repay. Sometimes, like the servant, we get in our minds, we want to pay, we're willing to pay, we'll work, we'll try to pay, but like him, he could never pay for it all. We can never pay our sin debt. We cannot do that on our own. It is impossible. It was impossible for him. There's the picture. Verse 27 is a picture of God. And the Lord of that slave Felt compassion and released him and forgave him the debt. The good news is that God is willing to cancel our sin debt. There is the wonderful news of the gospel tucked away here. The good news is that Jesus Christ paid our sin debt. He paid our sin debt. And so in Christ, We are forgiven and our debt is canceled. On God's books in heaven, he writes, paid in full, Jesus paid this debt. So that debt, my sin debt, is wiped away. God was offended. The holiness of God was offended far beyond anybody's ability to pay him back. He canceled the debt. How does he cancel my debt? By my faith in Christ, by my coming to him and saying, I cannot pay my debt. I owe a sin debt that I cannot pay, but Jesus has paid that debt. And so I believe him, I trust him, and I accept the fact that he has paid my debt. And because of Jesus, God says, your sin debt is paid in full. It is canceled. Then look at verse 28. 27 is a picture of God who says, I forgive your debt. Verse 28 is the picture of a Christian who has been offended. This Christian in verse 28 has been hurt. He has been mistreated. Maybe something awful has been done to him. But look at verse 28. That slave who had been forgiven by the king, went out and found one of his fellow servants, or slaves, who owed him a 100 days wage. And he seized him and began to choke him, saying, you will pay me back what you owe. This Christian was unwilling to wipe away the debt owed to him even though his debt had been wiped away. Look at verse 32. Then summoning him, his Lord, the king said to him, you wicked slave, I forgave you all that debt because you entreated me. Should you not also have had mercy on your fellow slave even as I had mercy on you? Now, look at what Jesus says in verses 34 and 35. And his Lord, his king, moved with anger, handed him over to the torturers until he should pay all that was owed him. So shall my heavenly Father, this is Jesus speaking, So shall my heavenly father also do to you if each of you does not forgive his brother from your heart. From your heart. God does not think of forgiveness as a nice idea. He doesn't think of it as a sweet, gracious thing to do. It is not a mere suggestion. When we don't Forgive, God is going to respond. Well, what will He do? He tells us He will deliver us to the torturers. Uh, some translations will say jailers. Some tor- translations will say tormentors. So He's going to deliver us. Now, God is going to apply pressure to move us to a right response. God the Father doesn't torment anybody. He will chasten us. But what he does, he doesn't torment anybody himself, but he will at times withhold his protection from us and allow people the consequence of unforgiveness. For how long? Until we forgive the debts against us. How many times With Peter, we would say, how many many times am I supposed to forgive them? And he says, there is no limit. As many times as it takes. Now, let's be clear about this. Remember that he is not saying that they will lose their salvation. This is believers, and we've talked about this. This has to do with our earthly witness and our fellowship and our relational benefits of forgiveness. These people are already belong to the king. They are servants of the king. So they've already been born into the kingdom. This has to do with the behavior of believers. So the father, the king here, simply withholds his protection from us and gives the enemy an open door to do the tormenting. Anytime I hold a grudge, I'm like this Forgiven servant who grabbed his debtor by the throat, saying, You pay me back everything you owe me. So, the one who had his debtor thrown into prison ended up in debtor's prison himself with torment. Tormentors. Well, what are the tormentors? They can be anything. You know, Many of the chronic mental, emotional, and physical disorders people struggle with today are rooted in bitterness and unforgiveness. One of the ways I know that is that in studying and preparing for this study, uh, I have been fascinated with testimonies of people whose lives were changed when they finally got to that place where they were willing to do what God says and forgive how many of them were healed? How many of them had circumstances that were changed for the good? So he says you've got to deal with forgiveness from your heart. Now, please hear me. I am not suggesting for one moment that every physical ache or pain or problem is caused by bitterness and unforgiveness. Hear that. But it is true often enough that if we're being tormented by something, it makes sense to go to the Lord and ask him. You just go to the Lord and ask him, show me my heart, search my heart. Let me see my heart the way you see it. So God did not build our bodies to hold up under the weight of unresolved conflicts. God calls a sheep Sheep are not weight bearing animals. We're not built to carry this. That's why Jesus will come often and say, come unto me, give me your burdens, lay them down before me, because we weren't built for that. And we're not built to be able to carry bitterness and unforgiveness. It is a weight that we don't understand. My fear is that sometimes we become so acclimated to it because we've had it for so long, we forget that it's there. And so God is dealing with us at that point. So please know that there are many people who suffer from organically rooted diseases, and this certainly is not intended to make anybody feel um, condemned or bad because of that. Neither does this mean that we should not pursue medical treatment. It's not about all of that. Just please understand that. But if it, if it hurts, if something that hurts... If I'm having problems in my life, if there's just something unresolved, if there's something that won't fix, it just hangs over me all the time, then at least it doesn't hurt to ask the Lord if there's anything He's trying to get my attention about. That I at least can go to Him and say, Lord, show me my heart. Is there somebody that I have not forgiven? Is there somebody against whom I'm holding a grudge or bitterness that might be causing all of these unnecessary issues in my life? Everybody knows somebody who is tormented. We see their bondage, we see their pain, we know their pain. And they are family, they're friends, Uh, they're co workers. They're people that we meet on the street. They're people overwhelmed with depression and hopelessness and anger and addictions. Some people say they have forgiven, but they're still suffering torment. Do you know what it's like to smile at somebody and shake their hand while choking them in your mind? So Jesus is saying, you know what? You're going to have to learn to forgive these from your heart. Verse 35, forgive from your heart. What does that mean? It means that my heart has got to be right before the Lord. So Jesus told this parable to help us understand that the greatness of his grace that we have received is insurmountable. Never-ending grace, grace upon grace, the greatness of His grace we have received is revealed in this parable. But also, the greatness of the grace that we are to forgive, that we are to give. The greatness of the grace that we are to give. So, what are we? We talked about this in the last session. We're conduit through whom the grace and the forgiveness of God If God can forgive our sins, then we cannot continue keeping track of the sins of other people. We are focused on how he has forgiven us. And we release that forgiveness to others. Because that's the way the world sees what God's forgiveness is like. We are never more like God than when we forgive. And we are never less like God than when we don't forgive. And why has he put us here? Christians are in the world to show the world what God is like. That's us, that's what we're to do. Now let me ask you another question. Are we better than God? that we're not willing to forgive something that he has forgiven are we better than god that we cannot forgive something that he has forgiven are we going to stand before god and say well i know you forgave that sin but i, I know you forgave that but I, I just can't do that not in me to do that the good news is that God has unlimited forgiveness. I have heard people say, oh, God could never forgive me that sin. God for never, could never forgive me for this, that, or the other. Yes, he can. He already has. It is a predetermined character of God that he will forgive you. You've just got to want to access that forgiveness. You've got to want to buy into that forgiveness by becoming his by being a part of his kingdom. You might want to write this down. I I read this. It spoke to my heart. I don't remember where I read it. Don't know where to give credit. But this is it. What has been done for you is greater than what has been done to you. What has been done for you is greater than what has been done to you. What God has done for you in forgiving your sin is far greater than the sin that has been committed against you. That's a measure that gives us some perspective. Now remember this forgiveness does not mean that what they did was okay, it does not mean that we're forgetting. It does not mean that we're excusing it. It does not mean that we're going to feel okay about it and not be hurt anymore. It does not mean that. We'll talk more about that in our future sessions. But it does not mean that what they did was okay. Forgiveness is not a feeling. Forgiveness is a choice of the will. It is a transaction that I make with God. It is a choice that I make between God and me. So what am I going to do? I'm going to take that sin against me, and instead of choking them, I'm going to take that sin and give it to the Lord. I'm going to lay it before Him. God has given us a mandate in His Word to forgive. That's who we are. That's what we do. We're living in the kingdom, and we receive His forgiveness And then we release his forgiveness to others. Now, the good news is that when God commands us to do something, he's going to empower us to do it. He will make us want to, and he will give us the ability to do what he tells us to do. He will make the way. Now, maybe we say, Lord, I can't, my heart is so hurt. I don't know how to do this. I don't feel like I can do this. Then we're gonna take the first step. The first step is to go to the Lord and say, Lord, I am willing to be willing. I lay my heart before you. Would you make me willing to do this? Understanding that at this point, this doesn't have anything to do with the person. It's just between you and God. Lord, I'm willing to do what you've told me to do. And I lay this hurt, this offense, this dent at the foot of the cross, would you take it and heal my heart? And we'll start right there next session. God bless you.